family status doesn't necessarily translate to healthy families. You kind of are creating your best friends. You're making these little people who you would want to hang out with. A spiritually strong ministry family culture doesn't happen automatically. It's created just like every other culture. We made church fun and exciting. Like this is something we get to do. Dear young married couple, are you raising kids in ministry or do you maybe foresee in the future you going into ministry? If so, you really want to tune into this episode. We had the privilege of sitting down with Pastor Aaron and Heather Soto. They pastor a thriving church in Appleton, Wisconsin, and they provided so many helpful nuggets that we're taking away um, on do's and don'ts for raising kids in ministry and really helping them to become all that God has called them to be. Yeah, we, of course, see this Dear Young Married Couple as a ministry, and our kids, um, since day one, Mm -hmm. have been very involved in all of this. So this episode, actually, for us, was, uh, I think, very helpful and very needed to keep us on the same track, and, uh, you know, we want to raise kids that love God and... uh, are called according to his purpose. A little bit more about Aaron and Heather Soto. They both went to Indiana Bible College and uh, Aaron's degree is in theology. Heather's degree is in Christian education and they have three incredible children, all adults now. They're ages 25, 21, and 18. So they have experience. They know what they're talking about. They've done an awesome job and you are in for a treat in this episode. Yes. Oh, and speaking of raising children. Yeah. We actually be on the lookout Uh, in about a week. We have an announcement that we are super excited about. So this time next week on Tuesday, we are sharing a big, big piece of news and it's something that will help equip you as parents. So listen into that next week. Yeah. And if you're not following us on Instagram, that's a good place to stay connected so that you could see... um, what's going to happen soon. (laughs) Drum roll, suspense. (laughs) All right, here's to the episode. Welcome Pastor Soto and Sister Soto to the podcast. We are so thankful you guys are with us today. Welcome guys. It's our delight. Thank you for having us. Yes, we um, we know from several reports that you guys have raised some awesome kiddos while in ministry, and you guys come from different backgrounds. Um, Pastor Soto, you came from a minister's home, and Sister Soto, you did not. You came from a divorced home. You guys yes. both bring a lot of experience to the table in raising your own kiddos in ministry. So we're excited to dive into this rich story today. So thank you for being willing to share it with us. Delighted. Our pleasure. Well, we have a lot of questions. Um, (laughs) I think, well, just to be clear, I think everyone is a minister, um, but I know that you are talking specifically to kids that maybe they're, they're pastor's kids or, Mm -hmm. or you're talking to the parents really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of, um, things that you've seen done really well and things that could be done better. So I'm really curious to pick your brain today. Yes. So let's start with this idea that um, oftentimes people think that if you have a certain status as a, a PK or an MK uh, or you know some sort of kid in ministry or family in ministry, that you're automatically going to have a healthy family or a healthier family because of the work you're doing in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Talk about what what that uh, if that's true or not, the validity you see in that statement or the errors thereof. Absolutely. 
Well, first of all, thank you for addressing the topic. This was your idea, and I think it's a needed topic. Uh, so many people are are ministry minded, and but still a little frustrated on the home front. And one thing yeah. that Heather and I have learned is that family status doesn't necessarily translate to mm-hmm. healthy families. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Bible shows us in the Old Testament families in high definition. You know, it gives us the warts and all. Yeah. And if you take a few moments to reflect, you realize that most of the heroes of the Old Testament had very troubling family dynamics. Even consider the patriarchs, for instance, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham denied that he was married to Sarah. Isaac and Rebecca played favorites with their kids. Jacob created a rival culture among his children and their status in God didn't translate to healthy families. In fact, the more we learn about our biblical heroes, the more we learn about what not to do uh, with <laughs> right. our families and yeah. otherwise. And so True. at times people in ministry find themselves in the same situation. They're strong on the ministry side of life, yes. but there are unique pressures that come to yeah. ministry right. and they're anointed. They're respected as leaders, but perplexingly the home front is substandard. And yeah. so a spiritually Why is strong- that? Why would you say that is? Well, I think that uh, number one ministers Think, believe in osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that if I can get my kid in, uh, in, in proximity to the church and the work of the church, that this is going to happen automatically. Mm-hmm. But a spiritually strong ministry family culture doesn't happen automatically. It's created just like every other culture. That's and it's really- created... It's created by the grace and power of God. It's created by the authenticity of the parent. It's created by their training, not their intentions. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. How, how do we, this is probably a hard question to answer, but I'm just going to answer or ask it anyways. But what does a healthy family look like? You know, because there could be misconceptions there too yes. of like, oh, we're, we're so healthy. And then all of a sudden when they're 18, everything just falls apart to pieces. Mm. Like, what does that look like? That's an incredible question. Um, I think it, first of all, a foundational thought about this would just be the fact that it's the admission that our children are the heritage of the Lord. Psalm 127. Mm -hmm. And um, a healthy family has this, they live this value. It's not a stated value. It's a lived value that our children belong to the Lord. And, and I love Hannah's declaration in first Samuel, when she says, if, if you will give me a child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying, I'm all in, this is a gift from you and I'm all in. And I would say that, um, we are given our children. That is our primary responsibility is to get them to heaven. Right. And. So that's the way I approached it was my children are a gift from God for me to take to heaven. It's the only thing I can take to heaven. Mm. And I love that about Heather, my wife, and she is dead serious about that. And if you want to see her fierce, it's when <laughs> she doesn't feel like her kids are, you know, between the white lines on the highway of holiness <laughs> and she's going to advocate for heaven. So yes. Heather and I have a dream. And mm-hmm. our dream is not for our kids to go to Harvard. It's for our kids to go to heaven. Yeah. Beautiful. When you have that desire and you don't have just this um, secular view, but you have a truly biblical worldview about who your kids belong to 
and where ultimately they need to go. Yes. It really answers a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So say that they're okay. We want them in heaven. Awesome. But like what things need to be in place? And I think this goes for any parent here. Uh, what needs to be in place or how are you guys cultivating an atmosphere and not just expecting osmosis to push him into heaven, but what are you doing to cultivate the the soil Mm. that they can grow into this healthy thing that God's making them? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Heather and I are really a big believer in family systems and traditions Mm. um, that are going to support this kind of an outcome. And so if, there's a particular area of the ocean that biologists want to restore life to, they will sink structure into that area of the ocean. And that attracts the barnacle life and the reef life. And then the reef fish, then the predator fish come. And before you know it, that area of the ocean is teeming with life. Structure invites life. Hmm. And so we have a lot of apostolic, uh, you know, Christian kids who are experienced rich, but their relationship poor Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they lack family structure and tradition. So we're racing off to services and camps Mm -hmm. and events. And brother, that's structure. That is structure. (laughs) Get them in the youth camp. Right. 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 And so it's just, I don't think that we're being thoughtful. We're not being intentional. Mm -hmm. And so creating a system and to, to get a little bit more specific, we're talking about tradi- the traditions of um, devotion, mm-hmm. family yeah. worship, mm-hmm. um, the system of dad coming home mm-hmm. when he's supposed to and yes. remembering it's family night. Yes, and good. this lovely lady sitting next to me is the enforcer <laughs> of that. I, re- I remember when our kids were little, um, we had little kids and they were crazy busy like yours probably are right now. And we had a little mat that we would set them on the floor and dad and I were going to talk into, we were going to be uninterrupted. Mm. So we'd set a timer and they knew what that meant. Like they were not allowed to ask for anything. They could get a couple toys and they had to sit there and play while dad and I, and they saw us communicate and talk to each other uninterrupted. And I just remember that being a very important part of our younger parenting life because we were so you know you feel like you never can finish a conversation yeah with each Mm -hmm. other (laughs) yeah that's a really good structured activity to try and (laughs) and help hone you know a behavior that you'd like yeah how early uh brother soda did you go into ministry like was it did you have a, a like a lot of ministry before you started parenting um i started in ministry right in Bible school mm-hmm. and went right into full-time ministry mm-hmm. youth pastor. Um, as a youth pastor. Yeah. So, and then we had Blake two years in. Yeah. Two years. <laughs> so okay. I don't know if that's a lot of time or not. But. Yeah. But you were, but your kids were born into a ministerial environment. And I love how you're saying the, you know, the structure is not necessarily the, you know, all the camps and the events and the church services and the, all the activities, the structure is, you know, those systems that you're putting in place in the home to cultivate that spirit in your children. So, okay. This is so good. There's so many things I want to like ask and and push, (laughs) but so like you said, uh, for the Soto that, um, 
that your wife Heather is the enforcer. Like, <laughs> yes. Was there ever a clash there, or how do you learn to take like that influence? Because I've seen that that happen before. And of course, you know we worked with so many people and everywhere, and we've seen this happen where there's a clash between hey. I need you, like, I feel the disconnect. We mm-hmm. need to focus on the kids or we need to focus on the family. Sure. And then the right. other pull of like, but so-and-so is in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I need to go visit them. I need to go pray for them. Is it family night or is it I need to go pray for them? Like, it's sometimes it, it's a clash between yes. like crisis, but also, you know, like consistency too. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's a great question. I would have to tell you that, you know, marriage is about mutual submission and we are commanded to submit to one another in honor of God. And so Heather and I, we, we serve the same God and we have the same goals, but I have a few more responsibilities outside of the home Mm -hmm. front. And so I need her to be an enforcer in my life and to be strong because there are times you asked if we've ever had a clash before. The answer is <laughs> Never, yes. Ever. The answer is absolutely yes. Okay, you're honest. Good. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> and and there are times when she just basically is like, you know, we're we're about to have a very important conversation. And mm-hmm. um, I need to advocate for our children and for our family. And you're getting a little bit distracted. Your calendar's getting a little bit too full. Mm-hmm. We need to reset. Uh, we only get one chance at this. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I'm eager in ministry, the work of God. Um, I don't want to neglect my family, but I think that I have a tendency to wander um, mm-hmm. in my priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but my wife's resolve is a, is a safety measure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I receive mm-hmm. that when she, mm-hmm. when she advocates for our family. I appreciate it. And I am humbled mm-hmm. that, that she would call me out. I need that sometimes. That's good. That is good. Heather, how do you, how do you, like, what is that, that switch that flips that tells you, uh, we need to have a conversation? Um, I think just when we've been gone a lot and traveling a lot and he's had a lot of meetings or he's on different boards and I've kind of, you know, you'll just see a pattern where he's not been able to be present like he Mm -hmm. needed to be. And Mm -hmm. so I'll just say, Hey, we got, we got this stuff coming up for Bryson or one of our children. And I, you know, I'll clear it with the secretary at church and say, Hey, he really needs to be at this or, you know, Hey, could you take Bryson out to breakfast tomorrow morning before school? Just kind of like throw different things in there that he can't be there. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Um, you're, you're bringing into, you know, perspective, this concept of balance and balance is kind of a, pop culture word, pop psychology word. Uh, It kind of gets thrown out there like, oh, we all need to be balanced. But can you talk about like your perspective on balance, especially in terms of raising kids in ministry? Yes. We do not believe in balance. (laughs) Talk to us about that. We don't believe in balance. Uh, We don't believe that every week is going to look the same and every Monday is going to be the same. There are some weeks that are just an absolute train wreck, you know, (laughs) Because the kids went to youth camp and we had three funerals while they were gone. Or someone passed and, away. Yeah. And yeah. so ministry doesn't happen like that. It's mm-hmm. not yeah. predictable. It's just there's an ebb and a flow to it. So we practice fairness. Mm-hmm. And we believe that over the course of a month, we should be able to look back at that month and say, 
Um, we were fair to, to God, to our emotional and physical health. Nice. Um, we were fair to our family. And so we know that the pendulum is going to swing a little one way on a given yeah. week. And yeah. so maybe I wasn't home like I needed to be on a given week. Mm. And so then Heather, she's the architect. She's like, we're bringing that pendulum back this week mm-hmm. and we're going to be more present because of last week. Mm-hmm. And I think that many ministers and families live with uh, they're disillusioned and there's a little bit of shame involved because they've never been able to capture this elusive thing called balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just don't believe that that's really um, mm. attainable Yeah. unless, you know, you have perfect saints and you don't have anybody to disciple and nobody dies right. and nobody has marriage problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just ministry doesn't work that way. So that's How, our idea. How'd you come to that realization? What was the impetus for that? It was the quest. It was the quest for for balance. Mm -hmm. And we've been challenged in many forms and fronts and coached, hey, you know, we you need to be balanced in ministry. Mm -hmm. And we finally just realized this doesn't work with ministry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't happen like that. And so then we thought, well, what is God honoring? What is the most God honoring way that we can live our lives? And be all in. Now mm. we could have defaulted and said, "All right, I'm going to show up on Sundays and Wednesday. Wednesdays, I'm going to try to preach good on Sunday, teach good on Wednesday, but I'm not answering any calls, mm. and I'm not going to neglect the flock and anything that wasn't planned. I'm not going to respond to." But we know good shepherds don't do that. Right? We could have gone, you know, crawl, pulled our whole family under under a rock, and said, "We're going to try to do." you know, ministry, but we're just going to focus on family primarily, Mm. but there's enough love to go around. And the Bible says, you know, that we should redeem the time. Mm. And, and I believe that that is such an important thing that we find a way um, to redeem the time. And we have to be creative sometimes. And the Bible says that in second Peter one and three, that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That would include time. Mm-hmm. So think about this. God has given us enough time to do everything he's called us to do, or he wouldn't be just. Mm-hmm. So that includes time. God mm-hmm. has given us enough time. So that means that we need to prioritize the time that God has given us. That is so good. Chris had if just, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris, had, what you said sparked a, a thought. Chris had just bought a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. Yeah. Mm. And it's so good. It talks about um, remember that that point he yeah. just made. Yeah, and basically what what you just said, but even putting it in the perspective of Christ, you know, he had accomplished all that he was tasked to do, mm-hmm. and it didn't mean that there weren't you know more blind people and more lame people that needed to be healed and taught. There were those. Right. But he, he had accomplished all he was tasked to do. And so you are given, like you said, the amount of time to accomplish all that you're tasked to do. That's right. And what are the odds? If I don't do anything with my kids now, that if somehow my wish were granted that I got a 25th hour in the day, (laughs) that I would use that for my kids. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't need another hour and you don't need another day in the week. You need to prioritize your time, redeem the time. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, my, my valuable time was, I was a mom first and foremost, I'm a wife and a mom and my home 
is the most important environment that I need to be taken care of. And other things might suffer, but that's where my priorities were and are. Um, I still have one at home. He's 18, but um, my my season in life is changing. I'm not so needed there anymore. But when they were growing up, that was my my mission and my ministry first. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Talk about, Heather, some of the creative ways, and we're we're asking for ourselves because we have a three and four-year-old. We're, are, we're trying to figure out that uh, fairness, not yeah. balance. Yes. So what does fairness look like? You know, say you're a traveling minister or you're an active minister at your home church and, and you want to, you know, bring your kids along. You, you want them to feel like things are fair and that they are receiving the the attention and the nurturing that they need. But not to create a diva. Yeah, but not to create a diva. Yeah, so what are some practical yeah. ways that you guys navigated that and when the kids were young? Well, I think that goes to price and privilege. Um, and my husband probably could explain a little better, but we practiced it. Um, we, would, we started a church. Um, we did that for seven years. We also had a, a mother church. So I'll let you explain a little bit more about how we celebrate that. Sure. With our kids, we have this principle called privilege and price, and we have seen ministry kids ruined only on price. Mm -hmm. That's all they knew about ministry was paying the price. And we've also known ministry children who are raised only on privilege and that, that ruined them as well. Wow. And so we've decided that we want our children to know that it's good and reasonable to experience both things in ministry. So we give them context Mm -hmm. when I'm blessed to travel and speak in different and settings. And we've been in many hotels. And um, mm-hmm. so when we walk into that hotel and there's a hospitality basket mm-hmm. there, <laughs> it's like, guys, is this privilege or price? And they're like, this is privilege, dad. That's right. Like, right, dig in. Uh, yeah. Yes, and yes. so we ask this question all the time. Is this privilege? In fact, one time we you want to tell a story about Bryson. Bryson. Yeah. Um, he, uh, my husband was also youth president for, I think six years. And so he got used to some privileges. <laughs> Yeah. And so when he wasn't anymore, we went somewhere and we were on vacation, I think, and there was no basket. And he was like, mom, where is our basket? What is wrong with these? Nobody's taking care of <laughs> that. Is there hilarious. was a hospitality basket in every hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> or golf carts to drive wherever you're at a camp. Yeah. Oh Good. my goodness. That is so funny. We talk very practically. Right. I love that. I love it. So you guys actually use those words with your kids and you have them identify, is this privilege or price? Talk about some of the price examples that that you would have them talk through. You know, when we were pastoring, we're pastoring a thriving church and we felt to plant another church. So we would, we would have two service, three services a day Mm -hmm. and (laughs) we're going to that daughter work and to preach and we're doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. and the kids are tired. Mm-hmm. And we, while they're, we're driving, we're like, guys, you are standing in the company of greatness because you're paying a price today. Right. You're tired. And we're going to put a smile on our face yeah. and we're going to love people that Jesus died for. It's not always easy, but we honor you for paying a price today. Yeah. Wow. And then we would say, and afterwards we're going to go get a, you yes. know, we're going to go to Starbucks and get you a get you caramel Frappuccino yeah. or something. And and we're going to celebrate the fact that you paid a price today. Right. And so over the course of um, the years, we've had a lot of opportunities to give them context. And one of the great joys of our life is to see that all three of our children are ministry postured 
And um, they don't have a, a wrong attitude or view of ministry that it should be all privilege or right. all price. They understand that both come with a package. Yeah. That's so good. I think I'm going to start using that. We are so going to start using that. That is really good. It's a great way of framing everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And when you do encounter difficulties, or let's say when we're stressed out and we're preparing for the next thing, Mm -hmm. um, we could say, look, this is the price we're all paying so that we can have the privilege when we are in a beautiful place or location or enjoying the fruit basket. I love that. That's that's so wonderful. I love that. Uh, It's a great perspective and such such an easy thing to, to implement, but to give them that perspective of here is your buy-in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And ministry is hard, hard work. So they know that. And for us to not acknowledge that you're working hard, we get it. Daddy's not home right now because he had to run to the hospital, but you know what, daddy will be back and we'll go to the park or, Mm -hmm. you know, you just give them something to look forward to. Maybe not today, but there will be fun and happy times. I love that. I love that. What's another perspective that you like to instill in your kids to get that, like that, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So what else did, did you try and you were intentional to teach them or to bring them into so that they didn't feel exiled or, you know, just to give them that right perspective. We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Well, I think that it's important that we don't deputize our children to be referees, that they're allowed Mm -hmm. to be players. Mm -hmm. Um, And by that, I mean... As ministers, we go to church and we've been, we've all been in church so much. We know when the sound's not right. (laughs) We know when the words on the screen aren't matching, you know, what we're singing and uh, when the ushers miss the handout thing. And so (laughs) our kids, I mean, we can give them a whistle and kind of create this little monster where they're looking around and trying to figure out what's wrong, what hasn't been done right. Mm. And we've always wanted to celebrate that when we're in church, we are worshipers. Yeah. Mm. So I'm not a frantic pastor looking around trying to, you know, and the sound's not right or it's wonky or whatever, whatever the situation is, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to be a worshiper. Yeah. And I'm just going to trust that the people who have been delegated certain responsibilities are going to either make it right, or we're going to have a conversation later. And um, you know, and it's going to be okay. It's not the yeah. end of the the world. And I see a lot of pastors' kids who have been ruined in the church service because they've got their they're just looking. They're the watchdogs, and they if something's not right, they obsess over it. 
rather than being obsessed with worship. So from a very early age, I would hold my children. I would sit in the um, sanctuary with my children, not on a platform or, and I would just put my child on my lap, Blake on my lap. Mm -hmm. And I would teach him how to raise his hands and I would bring him up to the front to be a worshiper. And Mm -hmm. um, I I just struggle a little bit when I see that child who is a PK or a preacher's kid of some Mm -hmm. sort. And you can just tell they have a completely different experience in that church service. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're, they're the ref. They're, they're not Mm -hmm. the player. They're not Mm -hmm. the worshiper. I think, and I think that I always, um, we made church fun and exciting. Like this is something we get to do. We're going to see Jesus. We're, you know, we're excited to be here. We weren't ever really in the Molly grubs to, you know, Oh, we got to get up and go to church again. Or we just always made it um, positive and exciting. Mm. And this is my reasonable service. It's one of my favorite Mm. verses in Romans. And it's just important that you make it a happy thing. (laughs) So today we um, pastor a thriving church. We have two services to serve our congregation. It's the exact same service. And so the first service is at 8.30, the second one's at 11. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be walking in the building at 7 a.m., which means we get up at, at least by 6. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have a tradition on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> What's your tradition? I, I blare <laughs> praise break music. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. And we are having throw down praise music. 6 a.m.'s a little much, but. <laughs> and, but you know what? Even when our kids were little, um, yeah. we would invite them, come, mm-hmm. come lay on our bed and you yeah. can sort of wake up and we would, you know, bring them something. And then I would, <laughs> I would bring my laptop over to them and it wouldn't right be long their before face. their little head starts to shake and they're, you know, they're waking up with some praise. And <laughs> nice. it, when you hear the praise break music, it is Sunday morning. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we always try to start with, you know, just like that, an anthem of celebration. Mm. And we want our children to, uh, to treasure and yes. understand that this is the day the Lord has made. Yes. Ah, That's beautiful. That is really good. I love it. So Man, good. I don't, you must have had your coffee though at 6 a.m. to be playing that sort of thing. <laughs> right? He's a morning person. <laughs> that's oh, great. That's so good. I love though, you're training them to celebrate, to have positive associations with the service that they are part of because it's not just you serving, they're serving as well. Well, you're not Absolutely. trying to control them into a uh like a channel of this is how yeah. you behave this is how you think this is how right. it's it's creating a place where they are able to come to that conclusion on by themselves right right can you talk a little bit about that concept of maybe when an older child or a teen feels controlled by their parents ministry um you know what are some practical ways that you guys have helped that to not be the outcome for your three adult children now that's a great question um, my, my son and my daughter-in-law are writing a book for PKs. It's going to be amazing. One of the chapters okay. in that book talks about standing in your parent's shadow. Mm. And um, they talk about that a little bit. But I do think that at times as ministry, we throw that authority card a little bit more than we need to with our mm. children. Mm. And we need to know that there's more to raising children than controlling them. Yeah. Mm. And you know, how we relate to our children has to evolve as they get older. Just think about the stages that children go through. Um, the way that you make the decision of choosing a pediatrician, how involved is your child in that decision? 
But then when they get a little older and it's time for them to do homework and you're making that decision, how involved are they in that decision? Right. And then you're choosing a college. Where are you going to go to college? (laughs) And then how are you involved in that decision? And then they're choosing a spouse. Yeah. How involved are you? So you see how there's a scale there. And it's true. And so your effectiveness as a parent is dependent on your ability to maintain influence in your child's life. And, but many parents draw the conclusion that if they just control their child, that's the way to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm going to be effective because I was effective when they were one and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, I just picked them Mm -hmm. up and put them where I wanted them to be. (laughs) Right. But no matter how good you are at imposing your authority, and many ministers are very good at that, Mm -hmm. no matter how good you are at it, there comes a point in your child's Mm -hmm. life where control isn't the goal anymore. And so- If you fail to move out of the control phrase, uh, phase, I should say, at the appropriate time, uh, what you're going to find is that you're going to have the opposite effect Mm. and controlling parents are always going to lose control. So you have to help them discover who they are. I did a 10 week um, devotional series with my children on called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, Mm -hmm. and helping them to discover their purpose. Mm-hmm. And um, finding out what it is that God is calling you to do. And God's hardwired you to be something and to do something. What is that? Mm-hmm. And we, Heather and I want to get on the dream friendly zone with our kids. What are your dreams? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when our kids aren't behaving right, now it's not correctional, the conversation. It's directional. Mm-hmm. We're advocating for your dream. Mm-hmm. And so that's not control. That's not, that's that's not control. Mm-hmm. That's encouragement. Yeah. That's coaching. And you're you're really encouraging them to have conversations. You're being a conversation friendly parent Absolutely. when when you're not focused on control. And I like how you said the dream friendly zone. You know, you're saying, "Hey, share with me about your dreams even if they don't make sense yet or even if, you know, we could poke holes in them. Let's just let's just talk about it and dream big." Yes. Absolutely. And the whole idea of having conversations, Heather and I have determined we don't allow our children to have one word responses. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and so, but we also understand that the quality of the conversation is determined by the quality of the question. Mm-hmm. Right. So if we just say, how was your day? Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you can expect that kind of a response because right. that was a lame question. The, the question is, what's the best thing that happened to you today? Yes. yes. What's the yes. worst thing that happened to you today? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to do is just to teach your children have to have thought, how to have thoughtful conversations. Yeah. 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 Man, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Adeline, um, was it yesterday? We were in the, uh, we were all getting ready and stuff, and we were talking about what we want to be when we grow up. Uh, Krista was doing, uh, asking her some questions, and she was enjoying it. And I remember Adeline saying something like, "What do you want to be?" And she's like, "I want to do that thing where you go out in the yard and make a lot of noise." And uh, and she, my, my wife's like, "The mower." Yeah, she's like, "Yes." My wife's like. Oh, that's called a landscaper, and you could do that. <laughs> she's like, so, and then, and then I loved how Chris approached it. She said, "She's like, you know, um, what are the pros? You know, what are the good things that come from being a landscaper? Where you get to be outside, you get to see the sunshine, you get to smell the grass. What are the negatives from being a landscaper?" And and 
Adeline had all these different, um, you know, things that she wanted to be. Uh-huh. It's so curious about a life. librarian. She yeah, mentioned, a librarian. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, so what are the pros? Okay, you get to be around books, but the the hard thing was, you know, you have to be quiet in the library. Do you think you could be quiet in the library? <laughs> well, I can answer you? that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that 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 that's what yeah. you're saying. But maybe on a uh, you know a higher level mm-hmm. order, you know you know your kids at this point, you're probably not thinking four and a half. Um, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Right. But I love how you're you're not trying to control where they go, but you become a safe place for them to express the dreams that they have, mm-hmm. and maybe what God's laying on their heart. Yeah. But that also means you have to have a really good relationship and have cultivated that beforehand. Right. Yes. True. Yeah. How do you cultivate a relationship of, you know, you're still the authority figure as a parent, but you do come alongside. I know some people say like, you know, we're not our children's friends. Well, and also you're their kid's pastor too. Yeah. So talk about the different hats that you, that you have on at various times with your kids. Well, I feel that when, our kids were, you know, talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up and, you know, it evolves the older they get. And sometimes they'd be leaning a direction where it wasn't really going to work with ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would just say, you know, well, I mean, that's a great, a great dream, but um, do you think that would fit into your, you know, I know you, you feel called to ministry. Do you think you'd be able to do that? with ministry mm-hmm. yeah. and um, just kind of making them think about it without saying, oh, no, you can't do that. That'll never work. Right. Just try to help them process. Oh, maybe I really couldn't be an astronaut <laughs> and be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? um, yeah. And you were referencing how, you know, to have that kind of relationship, to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And and Heather has a great perspective on this about, you know, friends, the idea of being oh, a friend. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I um, think that I am not my children's friend when they're little. Okay. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I feel like you kind of are creating your best friends. Mm-hmm. You're, you're making these little people who you would want to hang out with mm-hmm. and who, as they grow up and become adults, what kind of person are you making? Wow. And yeah. I'm not their friend right now because I'm I'm going to be the authority and I'm going to say things they don't really like and they're not going to like me. And there's pressures to be to give in to be their friend like, well, you know, she's my daughter's going to be upset with me if I don't let her go to that friend's house or but I have wisdom of what kind of person she maybe shouldn't be hanging out with. And I'm going right. to say no, but she's mad at me. But I can't take that super personally because eventually she's going to know that my daughter and I have done some sessions together and she's like, mom was right. I hated it at the time, (laughs) but (laughs) she eventually, she, she had, I have to trust my instincts and not be her best friend right now. But we sure. are now. She's almost 22. And it's That's just super good. cool how she's someone I love hanging out with her. Like she's mm. my turning into my best friend. Yes. And that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Uh, I was just telling Krista yesterday that um, I was like, man, you're creating a conversationalist. Like, cause Addie was just talking and talking and talking. I can see how that, that, that would happen though. If you cultivate those things, if you yeah. speak those things into their life. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You could really have something beautiful with your kid. Because let's face it, you're going to spend a lot of Christmases together. <laughs> right. Yeah. You might as well like that person. Yeah. Right? I like that concept because you hear people on both sides of that argument, like where we're not our kids' friends or that, yes, I want to be my kids' friends. But you're saying, you know, growing up when they're little you may not be their friend in their mind, right? But yeah. you, you're creating your best friend as you as you parent along the way. Yeah. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah. I love it. How, how would you answer that same question? <laughs> well, I, I also agree that we have to be careful. Sometimes we want to break the tension in the room and just give them what they want, our mm -hmm. children what they want. And our children can really do a good job of making us feel bad about doing right things Yes, um, because they don't have the vantage point. They're not thinking the way we are. They don't have the vantage point that we right. have. And so I think it's, you have to maintain that tension and tensions what causes the violin to make music on that string. Yeah. And so if you break the tension, there's no music. Mm -hmm. If your child gets everything they, that they want and they're able to back you into a corner and you're the one who's always conceding, and um, you're, you're not going to create the kind of tension that makes a masterpiece that makes mm -hmm. music. So that tension is good. Yeah. And they need to learn to live with that tension of mm -hmm. strategic disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. So strategic disappointment is taking the pacifier away from the three-year-old, right? <laughs> yep. mm -hmm. Strategic yep. disappointment is telling your 18-year-old they're going to pay for their own cell phone. Yes. Or telling the 28-year-old to get out of the basement and stop playing video games. <laughs> so, and thank God I don't have those scenarios. Yeah. But um, I think that we need to understand the power of strategic disappointment. Yeah, it's really mm. good. Yeah. I like that. What are some other strategic disappointments that specifically when you're raising kids in ministry that you might implement? Well, I think that because we are called according to his purpose, it's it's very easy for ministry children to go through seasons where they want to be like everybody else, mm -hmm. kind of like Samson, you know, with his Nazarite vows. And the thing that really broke him was that he, he just wanted to be like, be an ordinary man yeah. with extraordinary gifts. Yes. And here's the thing. Every gift that God gives you is like a power tool. If you use it wrong, it can kill you. It can destroy mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when your child is kind of like at that point where they're just a little bit wayward or distracted and all of a sudden they start asking for permission to be ordinary. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are times when you have to really advocate for that dream, that that calling that they've given expression to. Um, I have this little thing that I talk about, you know, honor your kids by the magnitude of your request for them. Create what a culture. That, of, yeah. that means create a culture of expectation. Ask mm -hmm. great things of your kids. Mm -hmm. huh. If you don't expect anything from your children, mm -hmm. they won't let you down. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you expect great things from your children, mm -hmm. they won't let you down. Mm -hmm. And I think the story of Abraham and Isaac is a great example of that, where Abraham is going to offer him as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord, because the Lord's asked for him mm -hmm. uh, for Isaac. And Abraham puts the, the wood on his son and he carries the fire. Yeah. So who's carrying the heavier load here? Huh. And then, he, then they have to climb a mountain mm. and, and then he has to lay that his son who, if he can carry a load up a mountain, he can take the knife away from a hundred plus year old. Right. <laughs> right. But look at, look at this young man. Mm -hmm. He's able to carry a load. He's able to climb a mountain and he's willing to be offered 
I think this is a wonderful description of our ministry children. They can carry a load, they can climb a mountain, and they're willing to be offered. But sometimes we have this view, this this uh, destructive, cancerous idea that you know, they don't really want this. They don't mm-hmm. really want to live for God. They don't really want ministry. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you guys have been ever been to North American Youth Congress, mm-hmm. but there's mm-hmm. this incredible impartation and anointing on these chill, these young people mm-hmm. yeah. and they're ready to take over the world. Yeah. But I'm afraid they're going back to some churches who expect nothing of them. Yeah. Go back to parents who have nothing for, to expect yes. of them. And they're willing to be laid down. They're willing to be tied down on the altar and give their lives. Yes. Right. But nobody is giving them that mm-hmm. Abraham journey. I don't think it even occurred to our kids that they went to church three times on Sunday. Honestly, <laughs> people would say, you go to church three times and they'd be like, yeah, kind of like, that's not. <laughs> Doesn't <normal."> everybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, they were, it wasn't unexpected. Like they were like, uh-huh. this is terrible. You know, it was like, yeah. this is what we do. And we're going up the mountain. We're carrying the load. Yep. Yep. Is there, here's a question. I've heard of young people who feel like their parents expect so much from them and are a little Mm -hmm. bit resentful for that too. Mm -hmm. Is there fairness there? Uh, Or how would you go about that? Yes. I think that, um, there can be an unhealthy, um, expectation Mm -hmm. from parents and we need to be thoughtful about when we put our foot on the gas Mm -hmm. and uh, we need to be thoughtful about what we're asking our kids to do and to become. And I think we need to be careful that we don't put rivals in our children's lives Mm -hmm. um, where their expectation is academic. It's not apostolic Mm -hmm. or sports or whatever it is. And we can put rivals in our children's lives. And, and so we don't expect anything from them in terms of, memorizing a scripture Mm -hmm. or sacrificing for the kingdom, but you better get straight A's because you're going to get that scholarship. Mm -hmm. And we're putting a rival in their life. Mm -hmm. I remember really my first son, Blake, Mm -hmm. uh, he's a natural athlete. This is my first boy. You know, he's got a rocket arm and he's three years old. Who, what dad isn't proud (laughs) of his kid. Right. And so, I mean, I just, I, I taught him to play football and baseball and soccer. He was a boy among men when he played with his peers. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just got the biggest kick out of that. And we were having our nightly prayer together. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about how we can only have one God. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and he alone has to be the, the ultimate of our life. And I said, Blake, do you love Jesus more than you love sports? And he looked at me and he said, I don't know, dad. Mm-hmm. Make call. And it yeah. was like, I did that. Yeah. As the dad, I put a rival in my son's Mm -hmm. life. Wow. And so there can be some resentment, especially when those expectations Mm -hmm. aren't apostolic Mm -hmm. and I'm being pushed and cajoled in a particular way. And, and they, and sometimes young people can sort of see through that. It's like, where, Mm -hmm. where's the expectation for my walk with God? That's Mm -hmm. good. And our yeah. children did participate in school sports and they did participate in theater. And, um, mm-hmm. but there was times where if it was conflicting with church, mm-hmm. that was always a, you know, they knew that was not a mm-hmm. sport they could participate in. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just how we chose. That's yeah. so good. No rivals. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really good, man. You guys, 
I think I feel like there's probably about an hour and a half more that we can ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we won't do that to you. How could people continue this line of thinking um, or questioning or conversation between the themselves and their spouse about raising kids? Like, do you have any books or recommendations, podcasts you'd recommend? I have a, just a real practical book that I um, recommend to a lot of moms that have young, strong-willed children. Okay. <laughs> um, two of my kids are pretty strong-willed. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Cynthia Tobias, but she wrote a book called You Can't Make Me, But I Can Be Persuaded. Ooh, Okay. Sounds and it's good. awesome. It's I'm so going to get good. that book. <laughs> <laughs> it really helps me a lot in my thinking and try. It's not always a battle, but some children it is. Mm-hmm. And so the way you talk to them and it's just very helpful. Awesome. Yeah, okay. I think I have two battles. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're two very strong willed children. So we'll put that in the show notes so people can click on the link to get that book. Any other yeah. resources or recommendations you have? I think just. One re- one recommendation that I would have is um, be strategic with your spouse about your children, mm-hmm. and 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 talk about what's happening. How are we doing, you and me? Yeah, you know, spouse conversations. But how are how how are we doing as a family? And sometimes we can identify that you know our family's under an attack right now, mm-hmm. and maybe there's mm-hmm. a spirit of of anger that's just like coming into mm-hmm. our home, and yeah. we need to recognize that. Or maybe we both realize one of our children something's a little bit off there. Let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. Mm-hmm. Let's have strategic, um, anointed spirit led conversations, mom and dad, mm-hmm. uh, about our children. Uh, we have a tendency to see but not say until we're really disappointed or really upset about something. So let's be proactive and create a tradition or a system of communication with our spouse about family and children. Mm -hmm. And of course, Heather and I, this morning, uh, we were together in our sunroom and holding hands and blessing our children and covering them and knowing what's going on in their day. And um, let the first fruits of your God gifting be for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, so many people are listening to me today through this podcast and you're a great communicator. You're a great leader. Um, you're attentive, but you're not commanding your strength at home Mm -hmm. and, and bring those Mm -hmm. giftings home and say, Lord, help me to offer the first fruits of my gifting to my home. The Lord will anoint you for that. I was just reminded of a funny story when the kids were little and we were doing devotions and we just had a lot of anger. I don't know how old the kids were, but they were just bickering and fighting. And so um, we were having devotions and you decided to invite Jesus into our home. And so how did you? I just said, we're going to have a special guest for our devotion. (laughs) And they were all excited. I told them all day. And so it was devotion time. I went to the front door. I said, oh, he's here. And they jumped up and they ran to the door and I opened the door and I said, Jesus, come in. Their mouths dropped. They're looking around the corner. They're trying to figure out. And, and immediately they, it registers with them. Yeah. Oh, I can't see him, but, but he's here. Mm. And so I invited him in and I said, Hey kids, why don't you show Jesus your bedroom? So we all went and showed him the house and everything. And then we sat down and had a devotion with Jesus. And then I said, um, Hey, what do you guys think about, should we just ask Jesus to live here? Mm. And they're like, yes. That's so So the next day. The next day when Blake and Raylan were having a little fight, I was like, 
Jesus is here. And they're like, oh, oh. you know, it so, for a while. Yeah, they were just like, oh, I forgot. That's you know, brilliant. Like, hey. I, I love, love it. That. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it worked for a while. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, Forrest, you say yes, mommy, because Jesus is here. He's watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's it's just so supporting good. the idea of if, if God's given you creativity, if God mm-hmm. has given you anything, leverage it for your family. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let your first fruits be for your family. Amen. Yeah. So, Well, we're going to wrap up our episode here the way that we close out each episode. And that is by asking you guys, rewind back to your first year of marriage. You've been married for how long now? 27. 27 years. 27. So rewind back to 26, 27 years ago and um, fill in the blank with the advice that you wish you would have received. Dear young married couple. Go ahead. I would say, dear young married couple, marriage is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. Yes. Ooh, that's good. And um, to just understand that um, there's no perfect person. There was only one and he didn't get married. And so, (laughs) and so just with that expectation, being gracious and grace filled towards one another as, um, we see those imperfections and not allowing those imperfections to um, diminish in any way, the promises that we made to, um, to be what God has called us to be for Mm -hmm. them. And I would say, dear young married couple, you're on the same team. Always. Mm -hmm. You're not in opposition to each other. Just remember, you know, you've heard that statement. If you're in the same boat and one of you sink in the other end, you're both going down. You're drilling holes in the bottom of their boat. (laughs) Right, right. You're on the same team. Yeah. Always remember. Love that. You guys, this has been so full of nuggets that people can take home and really just, you know, let it soak in, you know, look further into these concepts, listen to it again, take notes. This is beautiful. We're going to take a lot from this. Yeah, I was just thinking that we're going to apply a whole bunch of this stuff because a lot of it's applicable for us. Yeah. Um, And it's definitely something that we want to be incredibly good at. And thank you so much for doing this pre-work for us yeah to teach us paving the way yeah love it thanks for Um, having us absolutely if folks want to get in contact with you guys they can do that through facebook you've noted and how what what's your facebook account that they can connect with um mine's just heather soto he's not really on social media so questions for him come to me a lot so (laughs) absolutely awesome (laughs) we'll put that in the show notes as well thank you so much you guys our pleasure god God bless. bless thank you guys All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.